Welcome to the Heartbeat Podcast series, of real love stories where I interview inspiring couples. Today's couple has not been together for decades as um, I tend to aim for with my podcast guests, but they live a very interesting lifestyle. They live on a boat together and they've been living on a boat together for four years and they share how that experience and the literal uh, life and death situations that you can get in living on a boat helped shape their relationship and help grow them closer together. They talked about how not to take things personally if there's a life or death situation. Um, they talked about how to have boundaries. We talked about how to stay your own sovereign being when your partner and your person is both your business partner in a way. They live on a boat together. Uh, they're married together. They, they share a lot of different dynamics and have found a way to make it work. Um, this was an absolute pleasure to interview Chris and Marissa and, uh, they actually have a YouTube channel. They have a blog all about their life on the boat. And usually they, they talk about the boat on there. So if you're more interested in, uh, following along for their journey around the world and, uh, the projects that they do on their boat, check it out. The show notes, the link is in the show notes down below. For those of you new, by the way, my name is Kevin Crenshaw and I'm doing this podcast because a lot of society highlights successful people. And when they, when we think about that, it's usually a successful business or monetary success and not so much successful relationships. And I know a lot of people that are tuning in may not have a lot of, or if any healthy relationship examples in your life that you know personally. And so my uh, goal with this podcast is to highlight as many of those success stories as possible of couples who are still passionately in love, who have found a way to make it last, who found a way to make it work, no matter what your relational preference, sexual preference, or circumstances are, or lifestyle is, that you can make love last and you can find a way to make it work for you. And so I'm interviewing people who have done just that so they can pass along their stories, their wisdom, and their advice to you that is tuning in. So without further ado, this is my interview with Chris and Marissa Neely. You're listening to The Heartbeat. How did y'all meet? So we met when we were, we met twice. We met when we were kids, about nine years old. We were both assisting our dads doing photos at a wedding. So we were nine years old running around with cameras and lenses and handing them off to our dads who were basically tag teaming this wedding, um, for lack of a better word. And then I thought Chris was really cute. I actually have all three of my diaries on the boat that I grabbed last time I was home. And I, I flipped through them just to see like, you know, it's time capsule flip through it. And the, one of the first pages was like, Chris Neely is so cute. And I just, he's adorable, but he kind of scares me because of how cute he is. And then like, you know, it was like months would go by. I didn't speak about him. And then it rolled into when we were about 14, 15 mm-hmm. and we started hanging out more. He got a foot injury and I, I pitied him. So I would text him daily. I was like, Hey, how's it going? How are you? And we became pretty close and did a bunch of things together despite living three hours away. Um, For the first uh, four years of our relationship, it was all long distance. So that was was something to get used to for sure. Yeah, definitely. As a kid, uh, I was lucky enough that she had a cabin up where I lived up in the mountains and they would visit almost every weekend. So long distance, but it was still like every weekend we could kind of do our thing. There's have some time. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple weekends where my family didn't go up to our cabin for whatever reason. And Chris took a Greyhound bus from Fresno all the way to Santa Cruz just to see me. And that was like, so eight hours on the bus. Eight hours yeah. on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first and only time he's done that, but <laughs> 
dedication was awesome. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for just for context, like how old were y'all around that time when y'all met the second time ago? The second time we were about... I was 14. And I was 15 because yeah. I'm a year older than Chris. Yeah. So, And that's when we first, that's when we actually started talking when we were nine <laughs> years old. Like you yeah, might yeah. have said something here and there on Facebook. But actually, we, we knew of each other. Yeah, actually at like 14 yeah. and 15, we were, I would say texting pretty much every day yeah. at that point. So we became best friends. Yeah. That's awesome. So was this y'all's first relationship like individually? Cause that is pretty young. Mine, <laughs> she, hers, no, she, she was a, uh, and you just, you I had, was a you boy crazy in, girl. Yeah, uh, okay. Crazy. Well, yeah. <laughs> you were also, I was, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a long gap between nine and 15, 16, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. She was in Santa Cruz too, a city for me. And I lived in yeah. Shaver Lake, which my, I had literally like two friends in a, about a 30 minute Senate, like car ride, uh, you know, around me. So I had, I would lived in a very, very small community in my high school, graduating class of a hundred people. So tiny tiny compared to like what she's used to yeah so I think that also plays a big part into it I would say honestly I had one boyfriend one serious boyfriend yeah. before Chris and <laughs> he was great um I appreciate everything that we learned together because we grew together we, but... we were talking you were talking at 15 but we yeah she was dating this other guy for yeah. a while which we actually didn't get together until she was 16, 16 going on yeah, yeah 17 <laughs> so. yeah but y'all like we're talking just as friends yeah, this is yeah, hundred percent. That's we awesome. Were best and then friends. it literally was like one summer, basically, that she spent up in the mountains with us, yeah. or with me, I should say, and that and it changed. So, we spent way too much time together, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? I'm, I'm curious about that. Like, when was the moment for you, Chris? I remember it was Fourth like, of July. That that weekend was pretty like dead set. I was like, okay, like. I, I I mean, I knew, knew of her for so long at that point that I was like, I'm kind of done waiting. And like, I had heard, I, I mean, I just knew that she wasn't completely happy with what was going on in her life. So I didn't want to impose necessarily, but I also, mm -hmm. knew if I could make her happy, shit, you know, might as well. So, <laughs> and I was respectful. I was respectful. My boyfriend at the time, he and I, he was also long distance from me Fairly and yeah. we hadn't seen each other in a long time and things were just not good. So you know, I told him, I was like, Hey, we're not happy. We're, mm -hmm. we're young. I think it's best if we call this off. And then obviously he was pretty upset about that. And I wasn't happy about it either. You never want to make someone, yeah. Yeah. but we broke up all good things. Um, and then I think it was like three, four months later before Chris and I actually got together because I wasn't <laughs> just gonna, you know, jump shift onto right. for lack of a better word, but yeah. <laughs> yeah he waited he was patient he yep. waited till i was ready and vice versa so yeah it was in august when we officially got together and i don't remember what year that was 2013 i think i think i'm not sure it was a long time ago no i think it was 2015 that would make no, sense that would i don't remember sense. what's nine years ago from 2020 that's relevant 2013 that's awesome <laughs> I, I just i love y'all already you're, you're you're cute together um I'm curious for you, Marissa, when did you know? Well, I mean, you, you kind of knew at nine, but like, when was it like, oh, for you? When was it an actual realistic idea? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Versus a fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really hard to pinpoint it because obviously, like I said, I had another boyfriend at the time. Yeah. So I wasn't trying to like open myself up in that way. For whatever reason, too. I just, she always told me that she never thought that I was like interested in her like ever. Like, you're very up. hard to read yeah, and yeah. your sarcasm is very dry. <laughs> So, <laughs> but he, um, 
he invited me to crew with him in a regatta. So in a sailboat race, an annual sailboat race on our home lake, Huntington Lake. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's going to be a fun day. It's really relaxing. Like it's a great day on the water. It's only like a 20 foot boat. It wasn't. Yeah. Not a big boat. I knew nothing about sailing at the time. Nothing. Absolutely (laughs) nothing. So and for we, context, like regattas are, are very high stress, like high energy <laughs> and like there's boats everywhere. It's, it's like, yeah, you kind of have to know what you're doing. I was going to say, yeah. it's to know what yeah. you're doing in that situation. So I did not. And Chris invited me on the boat. I was like, okay, fine. Like that sounds fun. Hanging out with my best friend all day. And it was fun, but it was <laughs> definitely a test of my patience, our communication skills. And I think that it laid a good foundation for our relationship. But I remember afterwards, I was just so frustrated and drained from the day. But Chris came up to me. He's like, you did great. <laughs> like, what? That was awful. What are you talking about? He's like, that was so much fun. And it just like, mm-hmm. it was one of those moments where I changed my perspective. And I was like, okay, he can have fun in these high stress situations. He can deal with my multiple mood changes throughout the day as I'm battling something new Mm -hmm. and he can still stand there and say, I did a good job. So that was one of the moments where I was like, okay, I definitely love him. (laughs) (laughs) How can you not? So yeah, there's a lot of moments like that where I guess I fell in love with him Mm -hmm. because I still feel like I fall in love with him every day, which sounds super cheesy, but it's true. That's, that's the dream, right? Yeah. And speaking of dream, I mean, dream boat is a phrase and you're living on a boat. So it's like literally happening. Um, (laughs) That's something that I want to dive into uh, is, is living on a boat together. But before we even go there, I just, I, y'all were long distance for a little bit. I do want to kind of highlight that because I know there's people out there that are listening that are in a long distance situation and struggling with that. Um, How were y'all able to make it work? And what advice would you have for other people that are in a long distance relationship? Video chatting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would say like, yeah, without, without internet, I long distance would be super hard. Uh, we, did, imagine, yeah. we did a lot of, I mean, it was tons of video chatting and I, and my, I'll, not to cut you off, but like my opinion on the matter is that you have to give, uh, I, I, I never tried to be controlling with you. I always wanted you to go off and like live your own life because I feel like if you ever try to take the controlling route, it's very easy for your trust to turn on the other person. And then once you don't have trust mm-hmm. in between each other, then there's not much to like hold on to anymore. So. I think keeping that as like the core purpose of, of why we're going forward, that was helpful for me at least. Yeah, that, that actually brings up a good point. Since we were long distance, we were both in high school, going to completely different high schools. And I went to a bigger high school. A lot of my friends uh, were guys just because that's, you know, I don't know. Versus a guy is, at heart. Yeah, apparently yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm still very good friends with a lot of them today, but I remember that they were all warning me. They're like, hey, like long distance, you know, you don't know what he's doing during the day. I'm like, oh no, he's, and I never worried. I was like, Chris wouldn't mm. do that. I trust him. It's fine. And vice versa. He said the same thing to his friends who were, you know, kind of suspicious of the whole long distance thing, but. And our families too. I remember my brother getting yeah. me like a sit down and talk about, he knew of their family pretty well. They were pretty big up at our mountain of just like yeah. people to hung out every weekend. And we knew your family pretty yeah. well. So like my brother, John had the conversation. He was like, you know, you can't like, you can't mess us up. Like, you know, if, if you mess us up, they have to like move it to sell a cabin. That'd be a big deal. Like you just can't do that. I'm like, I get it. So there was like yeah. that too. Like everyone, everybody, when you're in a long distance relationship, every single person around you is telling you how hard it is and how difficult it is or how impossible it is or how to manage your relationship. I remember my parents, bless their hearts. They had this similar conversation with me saying, we really like Chris Neely. He's a good boy. 
please don't break him. And I was a little bit offended by that at the time. I was like, what do you mean not break him? Looking back, it's like, okay, I get it. It was a pattern, whatever. But um, yeah, and I told Chris before we dated, I was like, if we get together, we're in this for the long run because I cannot hurt you. And I meant that with my entire heart because he was my best friend and I don't want to hurt him. I still don't. And yeah. So anyways, going back to your original question of how to make it work, it was a lot of video chatting. Um, Mm. I wrote him letters, hand wrote letters and would send care packages and things like that quite a bit. I mean, a couple times a month and we saw each other every chance we could get. And we just made the most out of those moments together. And for back for a little more context is every weekend I was up there, but that was like Friday night through Sunday midday. So it's not a whole lot of time. And I remember that we would get to our cabin and Chris would be waiting there, waiting for us to show up. And then he'd help us carry all of the bags in and then he'd hang out for a little while. Then his mom would eventually call him to come home. So he'd ride his bike like three miles home or something like that. So making the most of the moments you have together is crucial. And I was going to say like to doing, doing it that way. I feel like, especially as kids, in a, in a relationship in high school, it's easy to get burned out, like just spending all your time together. Yeah. I think I see that mm-hmm. a lot of uh, like, you know, you start, you start at the beginning and everything is awesome. You're in the honeymoon phase and like, you want to hang out all the time. And then, but like, once you're doing that every day for like weeks, I, I can see it like completely as a, as a hormonal teen of like how that could be a lot. So I think <laughs> splitting it up a little bit and like, it made our time together very much like, like looking forward to that every single all week and then once it builds up yeah. to that it was like made it special that, you know what I mean yeah. made it a lot more special and that's not just for high schoolers listening if there's it's any not, listening not but that's for anybody who's jumping into a relationship with someone that they live in close proximity with or even live with you know um being your own person is very valuable in a relationship I think is a good way of saying that sure which leads me into well now you're around each other all the time yeah right yeah. <laughs> that Complete opposite. so yeah it, it's so like you literally live in the sailboat yep. yeah but yeah so you're literally around each other all the time oh yeah, yeah. How, how do you manage that and what's the impact been on your relationship yeah so fortunately before the boat we did live in a tiny apartment in tahoe when we were going to college and our apartment was really small. Yeah, it was, it was a little, a little studio, I would call it. And that was the first time we were around each other all the time. Yeah. And we got to see these habits that we had that we didn't see prior. And <clears throat> I remember that was a lot to take in. Yeah, you wanted to really decorate times you wanted Toronto. to decorate the apartment a certain way. There was like RC cars everywhere. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not doing this. So then it was like a lot of and compromising. Then, so for and, us, it was just Star Wars everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So we had to like compromise in the two. <laughs> it was a lot of compromising, but you know, we didn't I don't think that we had the skills then to talk the way we do now. Nope. I think we've definitely <laughs> grown and I had to do a lot of well, there, and personal like, growth too, like sure. with a therapist and things like that to talk about things that I didn't necessarily learn as a child. So mm-hmm. I think for me too, like everyone tells you it's hard to live with someone, like everybody yeah. that's ever lived with someone. Um, <laughs> I think for me, we were looking forward to being together for four years at that point Yeah, that it was like, I pushed away. Every, I mean, I literally, I didn't completely do this for you, but I graduated 
high school early, a semester early, just to get some college underneath my belt to like have some money to be able to move up to Tahoe to like be with you. She was the one that was up there already. So I kind of followed her up there. So it was a lot like riding on just like, oh my God, I want to do this so badly. And then, yeah, once you are living together, it's like all these little habits you never, ever saw. They're all, they're all there now. Like, you know, whoever doesn't clean the dishes or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Chris was exposed to my rampant ADHD where I leave little piles everywhere. It was my stuff because it's just how my brain works. And he being the clean one in the relationship, thank goodness, was constantly going behind me, picking things up without really piecing together why I did that in the first place. So it was a lot of talking things Mm. out. And Mm. back then we were definitely more aggressive about it. Mm. But I think that living in that first place, which wasn't a permanent home for us, was really good because we didn't have a whole lot of attachment to it. You know, like unlike Mm -hmm. this boat where we bought it together, this is our home. Mm -hmm. That apartment was more like a placeholder and a good test of our relationship of where we need to work on things like communication and, um, you know, I don't want to say combating each other's habits. So maybe complementing each other's habits, filling in where our weaknesses are. And Mm -hmm. we learned a lot there, but then, Mm -hmm. so we went to college, we were there in that apartment for two and a half, three years. And then we packed up, moved out, got married three days later. Yeah. In a span of of one week, we graduated, got married and moved on to (laughs) the boat. Graduated, moved out, got married, then moved on to our boat. So that was a huge transition. And like, it was from to Southern California. So we literally grew and like, we luckily my, my, where we got married was in the middle of the two. So we drove like half we got married and then kept on driving all yeah. the way. It was, it was wow. really funny. So you should have saw our cars. Both of our cars were just like you couldn't they were super put weighed anything down. in them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pack full. We don't have that much stuff now. We've learned to let things go. The Marie mm. Marie Kondo Kondo. I you know who I'm talking about. But if it doesn't spark joy, let it go. Yeah. Uh, right. Adopted that very well. So we moved on to the boat and that was a whole other set of what was the decision for that? Like to move on to the boat? Well, um, I grew up sailing, uh, for not only just on like the lake, like we already told you, but we also in my family had a 43 foot sailboat in the bay that we grew up sailing together. And and so I got to know the difference between a lake boat and an ocean boat for sure. Mm -hmm. And on these ocean boats, especially like the one we ended up buying, uh, they're built back in the seventies and eighties, kind of in like the glory days of when materials are really cheap. So these, these boats are built very, very well. Like they're going to outlast our life for sure. And the inside of them are all kind of, they're all teak, which is, they're all wood. Um, Our boat specifically was made by literally like one family in Hong Kong that would live in the boat while they're building it. And anyway, so there's a lot of character behind these boats. Uh, The whole point about them being built to the facet that they are is that they can go cross oceans and, and, you know, visit, Mm -hmm anywhere in the world so Hmm. uh we got a lot of inspiration from my brother who did this journey about 10 years before us they bought a boat up in washington and sailed all the way down the west coast and now they're in uh carousel on that side of the world so Hmm. we got a lot of inspiration from them to basically like get our teeth sunk into the idea of what it is to live on a boat and go cruising that's actually where chris asked me to marry him was we were visiting his brother while they were in costa rica and it was six adults six adults six adults on a 33 foot boat boat. 
for about two weeks. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So wow. in Costa Rica where it's, you know, hundred percent humidity <laughs> and like no one was basically lightning running. storms yeah. every night and bugs and all that. Oh, and it was, it was a great trip, trip of a lifetime. I will never forget it for many reasons, yeah. but it was like the second to last night there, it was July 3rd. So whatever night it was before we left. And Chris took me out in the dinghy, which is a small boat to watch the sunset. So we paddled out and stuff like that. And then he started telling me the story of our relationship. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was there. Like, why are you telling me this? Like, I live this. And then he got down on one knee in the dinghy, which is really hard. If you could think of a little boat and like the swell, like rocking like this, he got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. And the first thing I said was, did you ask my dad? Oh my God. And he's like, yes. I'm like, was my dad paying attention when you asked him? Because my father has ADHD like me. So knowing Chris, he probably asked. And my dad's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Without processing what Chris was asking. He's like, no, I asked him right before we got on the plane here. He yeah. said, it's great. It's, cool. yeah. it's fine. Like I've been planning this. I was like, then yes, of course. And then, <laughs> yeah, brings us up to now. But anyways, as far as the boat goes, uh, we originally didn't plan on buying a boat like this. And as Chris was explaining, these are very sturdy, well-built boats. And and that naturally means more money. It so, naturally means more money. Well, when we got out of college, we had no money basically. And we yeah. didn't, I didn't, out of my experience of renting, especially up in Tahoe, where it was super expensive, I really didn't like paying for something that was so exorbitantly expensive mm-hmm. and not have anything at the end of the day or at yeah. the end of the year. So like my idea was that she was done with college. She graduated with two, uh, a double major and I still didn't have, uh, I only had an associate. So I thought I was going to go off and go into film school and do that whole route. And in so San the plan Francisco. was to go to San Francisco yeah. and housing there again is stupid <laughs> expensive. So I was like, let's just yeah. buy like a, like a boat we can live on, nothing crazy. Yeah. And that a would get us pad. through the next two years. Mm-hmm. That was the thought is that we would buy a crash pad. And we were looking at calibers of boats that are noted as plastic fantastics. And that's because they're made out of fiberglass. They're very easy mm-hmm. to repair, find parts for, and they're was, everywhere. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. everywhere. Well, they're just newer too. So they're, they're, newer. they're not made again. Like when these boats, when mm-hmm. our boat was made, the, the glass, fiberglass and everything was just like so new. They didn't know like what it was. So yeah. they overbuilt it. And mm. now in the, in the seven or sorry, in the nineties and like the 200 or 2000, 200s, 200s <laughs> whatever the, the building standards have gone way down so they can make things mm. a lot cheaper. And they just mm. bust out boats like every day. Yeah. So mm. we were looking at one of those type boats, which is a little bit smaller than this. It was a 36 foot Catalina. And those are great boats. If anyone's listening that knows boats, I'm not talking poorly about Catalinas. I think they're great, but we had searched high and low for one and we stepped aboard one for the first time. And we're like, this is not it. This will not fit all of our camera gear, tools, my clothes, my shoes, our cat. Like there's no room. We can't do this. And that was kind of our first heartbreak when it came to finding a boat to call home. And then like the last our expectations were so built up and then they came crashing down all in the span of like three minutes. Yeah. So we took a long drive all the way from Tahoe to Los Angeles to look at this boat. Nine hours. It was eleven hours. Eleven hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, and so we got here, that didn't work out. So we looked online really quickly for something else that was near us and that's when this boat just happened to show up yeah so we literally like drove across the harbor and stepped on this boat and was like i immediately was like because this is exactly what i'm used to with how it was the boat that i grew up on and marissa wasn't totally on board at first but i convinced her it was not love at first sight it was definitely different from other boat designs i've seen and i instead of just opening up my you know 
opening up my ideas of what a boat should be. I was like, I hate it. Well, the biggest thing too is that (laughs) this boat was like only sort of in our price range, even though it wasn't because Mm. it was a project boat, like project project. So we like, Uh it's like the, the revolution, the tiny home dwellers. Now, a lot of people are either starting off brand new or a lot of people are starting off old in project. And that's exactly what we did. So, um, yeah. That's, that's we don't need to talk more about the boat in like that specific way but like that kind of led us into the next four years uh from 2018 to now of us rebuilding said boat um and living on it in the process which has that's been awesome. a struggle in its own, in and of its own but yeah if anyone's ever done like a home remodel yeah. you know how stressful that can be mm-hmm. just from even choosing the paint color that you're going to be stuck with for the next however many years like there's mm-hmm. Usually, though, you can like corner. do that room by room and like yeah. live in one room at the at the other time. Like this, the boat is harder to do that because you're just physically in a smaller area. Right. And a lot sure. of these projects are just so like you blow everything up so much. Like usually, we don't even have floor sometimes. So you're like walking wow. on stringers. And yeah, like, we didn't have floor for a while yeah, there. So it's it's a whole wow. different thing. Pretty funny watching our cat <laughs> jump across the boat when there is no floor. So there's just stringers, <laughs> which are basically just like. Um, cross beams beams everything sits on so our cat cleo was jumping across each one just so perfectly making it look easy and then meanwhile we would get up in the middle of the night and trip and fall in and oh my gosh yeah i can tell you all are really passionate about it which definitely helps and it's like you're passionate about it together i think it's awesome because you know there's a lot of couples out there now or or singles that are doing the nomad life in a van you know i did it with a backpack for a little bit in a season but in a sailboat, it's like a completely different, not mainstream concept, I think, you know? Yeah. So it's really awesome that y'all are living that life. And how has that impacted your relationship? Because obviously, you know, you're passionate about it together and you can just hear it by how y'all talk about it. But how, how if so, has it negatively impact, impacted? Has it been like a huge benefit? Like, Yeah, totally. Kind of so the, you know, it's, it's different for us. I feel there's a lot of people, especially because of YouTube and Instagram and all the social media pages who see lifestyles like ours or van lifing or backpacking. And they see like the glamorized version of it. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. I want to do that. And then they jump into it without understanding the flip side of that. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's actually a lot of work. And sailing is one of the oldest modes of transportation and it can be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So learning how to live together on a sailboat was not only for our relationship, but it was also because it's a survival thing. Like you have to communicate well with your crew member or else something can go drastically wrong. So it's just different if you're just living on a boat in the marina versus what we intend on doing. And we're, we're doing in just a few months at this point, we're taking our boat that we have now worked on for so long and we're leaving the dock and, and not coming back. Basically we're going to start cruising full time and living on the anchor. And there's a lot of awesome benefits about that. Like not having to pay rent anymore. Like that's awesome. (laughs) Getting to see the world from our own home. A lot of benefits, but also like every night you're going to be completely in control of whether or not you're safe or not. So if there's Mm -hmm. a storm coming your way, you have to pick up and go. Yeah, on, you're responsible on, like, for no notice. You're responsible yeah. for yourself, your boat, and your crew member. And that I feel like elevates beyond just our personal relationship as a married couple. That takes it to a heightened one of I'm responsible for you, you're mm-hmm. responsible for mm-hmm. me. We need to get through this safely yeah. um, and not be mad at each other in the moment. So living on the boat has really helped us 
develop that sort of responsibility for each each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and there's like no such thing as a is as having an argument in the middle of taking our anchor up when a storm's heading our way. I was just going to tell that story. Like, mm-hmm. no, is there a story no, on that? Yeah, there is a story. Yeah, last time we were at Catalina, we were having a great time. Everything was perfect. We're anchored out in Emerald Bay. And all of a sudden, just this giant thunderstorm comes out of nowhere, basically, and starts pounding the whole coast. We were watching it kind of like hit Newport and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, it just kind of like flips and starts heading our way. Which we didn't anticipate the flip. So Mm -hmm. we had tucked in for the night, feeling confident with our anchor set. We're like, all right, like, we're good. We'll check the anchor in a couple hours or so. And then Mm -hmm. around 2 a.m., we both woke up at the same time hearing water on rocks way too close. So we run outside. I had just enough time to put my contacts in. Chris ran outside in just his boxers while yep. it's still raining outside. He doesn't even grab a life jacket, runs to the bow. I think the I, first thing Marissa hears is just the engine come on. Cause I, yeah. I, I immediately was like, right, we're getting out of here. Cause what yeah. happened basically is that the storm, the wind was blowing from one direction, which is where we set our anchor. And that was putting us in a good spot in comparison to the, like the rocks around us. And then when the wind flipped on us, it completely blew from 180 degrees the wrong direction and put our our butt of our boat like about a boat boat and a half length away from the rocks that we were trying to not go into with wow. a huge with swell, huge swells, and so about our boat was bucking thirty miles down. an hour like, winds. So yeah, yeah our, like the waves are just crashing over the bow, and I was like immediately we're out of here. Like, so Chris ran back to where I left yeah. off. Chris ran up there shirtless half naked straight to the bow i was sitting in the cockpit which is where the wheel is and i was smart enough to put my life jacket on yeah sir and i was sitting there you know just womaning the this helm, is like a perfect experience this is like that moment right there we just hold on it for a second like that i'm up at the bow right now yeah totally unsafe don't have a life jacket on waves are crashing over me and i'm just yelling at her like sorry but i no, we have yelling. to yell it's at each fine. other because i'm 40 feet away from her there's an engine roaring in the middle of us there's oh, yeah. 30 mile an hour yeah. winds so if she had them i'm just saying if like you had that opportunity to get mad at me for saying something in a wrong way to you and just throwing throwing up your hands like we, we, we would have lost the boat we would have been in trouble yeah. like you know mm-hmm. what i mean like no, there's really not a spot for that in there's, that wow. type yeah. of environment and there's no <laughs> spot for pleasantries in certain yeah. moments especially when you're in a high stress situation like that trying to save your boat, your family and all of that. If so you yell at me and say, I got to jump, like I'll run on it in like opposite way too. Like the, there's yeah. just like an unspoken rule between us mm-hmm. because we know in the moment we don't mean it at all. No. We're just trying to not lose everything. And then do. afterwards, I remember this vividly and I, I really respected this part about you mm-hmm. and just us in general is that once we were in safer waters, it was still stormy, but we were far enough out into deep water where the swell had calmed down a little bit and we could mm-hmm. manage with the rain that was coming towards us and the adrenaline was just starting to come down and we just got to the cockpit i had thrown a life jacket at chris and told him put this on (laughs) not fishing you out of the water and we both just sat there for a minute assessing the situation and said okay chris apologized for how he yelled at me he's like i'm really sorry that i yelled at you i didn't mean it i'm like i understand 
that's fine. I appreciate you saying that in the first place. And then I told him, I was like, is there anything in that situation that I could have done better? And vice versa, he said the same thing. And we just talked about everything that had happened. Knowing a little therapy session. Yeah, Yeah. knowing that um, there was some things that we could work on in the future. Like, hey, if you're going to run up to the bow of the boat in In severe weather, maybe you should wear a life jacket so you don't (laughs) give me an anxiety attack. Thanks. So like things like that is just being able to talk about the hard times so in the future, when those situations arise, you're more confident that you're able to deal with it, deal with it, mm-hmm. talk it out, come to a conclusion, um, better yourselves. And that's all it really is, is you're learning to grow yourself, but also alongside another person. It really is beautiful how it, how it is giving you all that opportunity for like effective communication, not taking things personal. I mean, yeah. there's so much just in that one story alone that yeah. it's just gold. Yeah, I think it's, it's trial been by fire, but it's more like yeah. trial by Poseidon. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I was going to ask about any rough times that y'all have been through and how you're able to make th- make it through, but I feel like part of that has been talked about and answered already. Unless you'll have anything that you can think of. I mean, those are all really good stories of like there's there's a really happy ending to all of them, but we've also had really bad arguments before that, you know, and I would say most of them actually have been on land. Uh, we had a really tough time in, in Tahoe with, with, uh, with just our relationship in general. Like, I think that we mm-hmm. both felt a little lost. It was kind of right off that like honeymoon phase of not being with each other, being with each other all the time and it not cracking up to being what it was supposed yeah. to be on paper. We mm-hmm. had really high expectations for yeah. living together and it was still great. There was a lot of good times, but it's just reality in general. It was just, reality. It <laughs> hit us. And there was a lot of <laughs> external stressors from college. I was taking 23 units. So I was Ooh. spent. Um, I was also working at the animal shelter on the and weekends. I, I was working too <laughs> and not in anywhere nearby. I was usually yeah. working in LA. So I was gone for at times weeks. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think there was a lot, of, a lot of like tugging and pulling on us in opposite directions and yeah, we're still trying to figure out what our responsibilities to our families were, meaning yeah. like my family, because I was the first one to leave home. So, you know, they're still kind of holding on and we're trying to balance out like the holiday schedule. Like, where are we going for the holidays? That's kind of the thing. We both have that. strong families that want to spend time with us. It's it's different from a, a couple that has like one family that still is very yeah. close and one couple that, or sorry, one other that isn't very mm-hmm. close. It's easy to be like, all right, we're spending time with this family mm-hmm. because it's just like what you do so for us it's yeah we actually have to like have the conversation and that's not easy to say you know it's not easy to be torn from each other i'd say that was a lot of our disagreements when we were first starting out was just kind of balancing our families with ourselves because we're trying to start our own family you know like we're trying to be a family for you and i and our cat and then you know our immediate families were like oh we want to spend time with you this weekend oh well we want to spend time with you this weekend so Mm -hmm. god how do we balance that and there was a lot of disagreements at first and i think that we've come out of that and we're finally at a place where it's like okay we can smooth this out here's the plan here's the calendar for the year we're going to be here then and then we've also put ourselves first which sounds selfish but you have to put well, yourself time, first. I moved out. I was I was 18. I lost my dad when I was 14. So like my mom has been alone for at that time four years. So it was very, I was very connected to like just keep because I was the last one in the house. So I mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure she was well taken care of. Blah 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 blah. blah. So we 
did spend a lot more time with her. And I yeah. think that obviously wears on, on both of us in different ways, but it definitely wears on you for not being with your family. Um, so mom, if you're was, listening, we love you. <laughs> no, I would never, I wouldn't have it any other way, like what, how everything has worked out. But, uh, but in that, in that time it was, yeah, it was really difficult to try to put our, like selfishly put ourselves first. Cause that's not yeah. at the time what I wanted to do. And that was also right. a lot of communicating with our parents as well. Yeah. And our families in general mm-hmm. is talking about what our plans were and what our expectations were as adults. Cause that was a, you know, they were learning too. Their kids right. were becoming adults. So we're all growing together. And that especially when you tell your hard. parents you want to buy a boat and sail around the world, you know, <laughs> it's my, not always the easiest thing to swallow. My yeah. parents didn't hesitate as much. They like you and they, yeah. they trust you. Like, okay. They like, they didn't even bat an eye. Like sure. Um, and Chris's older brother fortunately paved the way for us so we're like we're gonna buy a boat and everyone's like cool <laughs> but it's very i mean yes Me. and no like <laughs> that means my mom also knows what it means and that means that mm, right. you're not going to see each other for six months at a time or maybe yeah. a year at a time like that mm. you go very long periods of time if you don't obviously like fly out because like we uh, we have a stateroom on board that is totally acceptable for someone to come visit us so that's mm-hmm. always an option, but like, it's hard to break away from jobs and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. That does usually mean that we want, we will be gone from home for months on end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is hard for family to understand. Very hard. I got yeah. a few questions on that. Um, I know we already talked about it before we started recording, but how do y'all live? Like, what do you do for work while you're on the boat? Because that is that some people's like, okay, yeah, that's awesome. But I have a life and I, I want to do these things, but I need to make money. Like how do totally. you? No, we get that question a lot. So I post a bit to uh, TikTok, which is somewhat embarrassing. So, um, <laughs> but I get a lot of questions like, or actually more like statements and assumptions like, oh, it must be nice to be rich. And it's like, actually, no, um, we both work and living on a boat can be cheaper than living on land. So can be, can be depending mm. on how you do it. I'd say for <laughs> us, it's cheaper than if we were going to live on land, especially in California. I think but, it's the same amount. Just, just, just saying just put the amount of money we put into upgrades and stuff into the boat true that yeah. i think it's i think it's um right on par of what we'd be spending at a high rent district but i'm not counting projects though so it. well that's easy not to count <laughs> well, you also have cars and stuff like yeah, that, that cars, exactly. you know. yeah so basically yeah, what so i do work. i know so i do digital <laughs> marketing and social media management my business is called fairwinds media which is very on brand for boat life and things like mm-hmm. that. And I've been able to do that for a while, even when we lived on land. That's kind of when I started my business, but it's given me the opportunity to work remotely from wherever the wind takes us. And uh, right now I'm just using cell data, free Wi-Fi from the marina, but we're looking into getting Starlink because that has quite literally unlocked. We have a lot of friends that yeah. right with us now that have it now. And it's like, yeah, they go out anywhere right now and get any and in internet that is like streaming, you know, YouTube. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we can it make that It makes it work. limitless. That's amazing. Know? We could yeah, be in the right, middle yeah. of the yeah. Cortez. Really not that expensive. I mean, it's it's actually very affordable. Yeah, relatively speaking, it's hmm. like regular yeah. Wi-Fi internet. It's right. quite affordable. So that's really unlocked a lot of opportunities for me to go sailing into some more remote places mm-hmm. and still be able to maintain my clients and work and things like that, which is great. And yeah. Chris's job is kind of on the flip of that, where it's definitely not really remote, but it is flexible. Yeah, I'm a camera operator, so I get, and it's all freelance. So I definitely don't work that much. I would say uh, not that much at all when it comes to like a normal day job. 
but my job is very, I'm very privileged in the route that I took because I don't have to work a lot in order to make a decent amount of money. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of in, uh, initial investment, like all of my gear and not necessarily depending on your experience when it comes to any schooling. I don't have any, I told you I was going to go to college for my film degree, but I never actually did it. I ended up just we ended up buying this boat, moving straight to LA and just starting, I just started working. So, yeah. and, and come to find out that is hundred percent the way you should do it. If you already ha- kind of have experience in filmmaking and know how to work a camera and blah, blah, blah. Um, word of mouth is like hundred percent the, the, the king ruler of all in that industry. So that is what I do. Um, and to kind of like back off of how does it make sense for our lifestyle? Uh, we don't make a lot of, sorry, we don't spend a lot of money, especially once we're going cruising. Like I said to you earlier, like rent is going to be in the in the near future pretty much free unless we need mm-hmm. to get into a marina and get water and stuff like that. Yeah, but, right now what we pay for is our slip fee. So yeah. at the marina, you pay for your slip space, which is kind of like an yeah. RV. If anyone out there is familiar with how RV camping works, it's very works, similar. It's very similar. So, but like the whole and but once the boat is moving and sailing diesel uh is not going to be that expensive for us because we have sales so usually we can sail mm-hmm. to most places we want to go especially on the west coast mm-hmm. and then uh marissa is a great cook so we don't really go out very often to go eating uh i mean and especially once we go to mexico which is in the in the next few months food inherently is going to be a lot cheaper so mm-hmm. we've saved a lot of money yes we put a lot of money into the boat but we've been saving 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 for like the last four years uh, and then the whole goal is to not spend a whole lot once we actually like do get off the dock. Uh, we've that's kind of how we set it up. So yeah, I don't know if that we answers live, that a lot. We a live bit, very but. simply by simple yeah. means, I'd say. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting when you move onto a boat, you realize the things that you actually need to survive. And then obviously, like we have little pleasantries around some little excessive things. Like, I mean, I have fake flowers from our wedding here, which aren't crucial for our survival. We have stuffed animals galore because I love them. Um, So it's like we learn what we need and then we can Mm -hmm. build off of that if space allows. So being on a boat prevents us from just buying a bunch of excessive things that we don't need. And I like that because it keeps us very uncluttered and don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of stuff that we should get rid of and we'll work on that. It's almost uh, summer cleaning time, but <laughs> it's uh, it's very simple. And I like that. It's taught me a lot about myself and mm-hmm. it also helps because yeah, you learn what you need to travel mm-hmm. and you know, from backpacking, yeah. you yeah. don't need a whole mm-hmm. lot. I sold and everything. I had like four outfits that I lived on in for yeah. like, two years. <laughs> and that's a yeah. very powerful yeah. thing to know is it that is. you could be a turtle. Everything is on your back. It's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really don't need a lot. It's, yeah. it's quite the freeing uh, life. Once you go to the minimalistic idea, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it is. it is, I never like actually having done this now, I don't ever want to buy a large house in my life. Like, mm-hmm. on, like but think of all the space, Chris. No, it's, it's, it's just more stuff to clean and like pay for it. We could point. buy so many things. <laughs> no, it's not not for me. We could fill it with animals. We could have a farm. Marissa wants a giant farm. I, I do. I, yeah, I will say we, yeah. we could have a farm, farm small house. Have, yeah, yeah. You know, we could have a tiny house on the farm. That's okay. <laughs> you know, if we ever did move to land, that's my prerequisite. It has to have room for a large garden. I want bees and I want chickens. Actually, no. Now I yeah. want ducks because I realized that you need to keep that at home work lifestyle if you want to keep. I'm planning on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Speaking of your, your skill sets uh, go in perfectly with your YouTube channel and your blog and all the social media presence that you'll have. Totally. I did take a look at it before this interview and I was like, this is like documentary style. And then I'm like, oh, well, of course, because you do documentaries. Uh, but I just, I could see it through your YouTube channel and the videos were from production style to like to camera angles, like all of it was amazing. So thank you. That's off to y'all on that. And for anybody listening, the, the link is going to be in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate something that. We want to no, just something we want to focus on more too. Like the mm-hmm. last, while we've been doing the YouTube channel, it's mostly been DIY, like refitting the boat. And there's only so many beautiful camera shots you can do of someone like sawing something with a jigsaw or sanding, so, or sanding. hours of sand. So like, that's something yeah. I'm very much looking forward to is actually like once, once we're cruising and seeing beautiful places of the world to focus more on yeah. like making things look pretty and doing mm-hmm. a lot more justice in the camera world, because I haven't gotten to do a ton of that so far with our, with our channel. Yeah. yeah. As much as that is. Yeah. So it'll oh. be really weird actually. Cause like all of our demographics so far for our YouTube channel is mostly like DIY, like people that want to see refitting young couples. I don't know if they want to see us refitting or if they just want to see us struggle because part of me thinks that these people are just watching us to see how much agony we're in as yeah. as we're sanding constantly. But I mean, so, I'm interested oh, in yeah. when that isn't like the core premise. They're all going to leave. <laughs> all of our subscribers leave. They're gone. You'll get new ones. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe for we'll the right see. reasons, hopefully. Um, so I've got two questions that I ask every couple who's on the podcast. Um Number one is, what is your definition of love? I'd like to hear individually. Ooh, that's tough. Or just, you know, describe it. You can't give like a solid sentence. Oh, thank you. I I would say that (laughs) is the definition of love. You go first. Um, Having the person you can say you go first. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, that's such a hard question because Mm -hmm. I think that love is a spectrum. I -hmm. like to tell my very close friends, I love you in every sense of the word, meaning, oh my gosh, I don't, that's so hard to actually define it. And that's <sighs> the point, right? It's hard that, to yeah, yeah, it is very hard to define, but when you love someone, you care about them so intensely that you will do anything to help them thrive. And I mean, I love you in every sense of the word and you're my life partner. You're my best friend. Mm-hmm. You are everything. You are my person. And that's I don't know how to define that that's so hard (laughs) does that make sense it is yeah (laughs) okay I'm gonna submit that one as my definition it's very loose (laughs) it's very take it as you will interpret it yourself but your turn Uh, I think yeah Uh, man I'm gonna struggle through this one too but I would say love is it's something that you can't teach it's something that you can't um can't buy it's something that is only inherent. It's only going to come to you with uh, with the best intentions. Usually, um, I don't. I don't think I can. I can't really explain it either in in a way that would make sense to any logical person. But well, it's usually illogical. Yeah, it's very logical. <laughs> good point. Um, yeah, I, I think it's something that'll make a, a man go to the end of the world more than any other, like any other thing in this world. Uh, it's, it's, it would make me do anything for you for sure. Get on a Greyhound bus. Go so, a few yeah, hours. Yeah, bus. <laughs> I don't know if I would do it again, but no, I'm See, that's, <laughs> that's the thing is defining love. I, my love language is more so like, uh, acts of service is one of them. Like 
these yeah. gestures, like it could be anything from jumping on a Greyhound bus to picking a flower that he sees on a walk and be like, I thought of you. Yeah. So I think it's for me, at least my definition of love is doing things for the people you care about without being prompted. I think <laughs> that's what my definition would be. That's a good one. Is it? It's a good one. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. Cool. Uh, I'll take that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, this is more of a fun one. If your relationship was to be turned into a movie, what would be the title? Ooh. Mm. Hmm. I have a lot of really snarky, funny ones, but go ahead. No, I don't think I should say those. That'd be. <laughs> We're trying to help Kevin's podcast grow not have people jump ship immediately okay um i think a good one would be you me and the sea nice it's a good one okay ring to it i i just keep on thinking like struggling through the boatyard or like str- <laughs> <laughs> i feel like there's been a lot of struggles life love and struggle <laughs> like we've also been going through life i mean especially uh our married life has been mm. halfway through covid so there's been like a lot oh, of yeah. just the world falling apart around us and i'm like we're gonna make it <laughs> <laughs> against all odds yeah, that's say, a good yeah. one there you go <laughs> against all odds i don't know Something come on like you work in cinema this should be like it's all documentaries it's all it's all real though. Well, this is real <laughs> what's the title let's go come on pitter patter i don't know <laughs> <laughs> put the pressure on him <laughs> yeah seriously I'm going to say you, me, and the sea. That's, that's, a, a, that's a good one. I think that's a good one. That's a good one. If we I agree. Have a movie, that's what we'll name it. Cool. <laughs> I also uh, pull my community for questions, um, just generally to people that I interview in the podcast mm-hmm. of what they would like to know. So I have a few questions on that. I also pulled Instagram. I need to check real quick to see if, if anybody replied to that. So, um, yeah, there's three questions from the community. Number one, which I think this is very fitting for boat life, is how do you balance building a life together and still being a sovereign being? Ooh, that's a deep one. I like that. So I think we explained this a little bit ago where we were long distance and kind of were growing simultaneously apart. Mm-hmm. But I mean, now that we live together, and we're together pretty much 24-7, it's it's been kind of hard to be a sovereign being, but not at all. Not at all. I disagree with you hundred percent. Really? Yeah. I don't write. I don't do any social media. Okay. I don't do any of the things that you do and I don't want to either. That's I think, true. I think you have that role and you do good at it and I will let you thrive. That's and true. You I didn't also think about that. don't do most. I mean, you do a lot of the boat work, but you don't, <laughs> when it comes to the really nasty stuff that you don't want to do, I get to do all that stuff. <laughs> I also don't know how you do it without, like you do it the same way you breathe. Exactly. You just know how. I'm, really I'm learning. You're you really good. Yeah. So that's true. We both exist in these separate spaces 100%. while being together. I didn't even think about oh, that. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of ways that I would say that we are completely different in what, in the roles that we take on. And that is inherently what describes us as our own human beings, like our job, the things okay. that we do, the things that we like to do. Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot, like I just said, like, I don't, if anybody listening, especially even our watch, like our followers, 
I don't do any of the social media stuff. Like Marissa, I, I do the editing for our videos. I shoot a lot of it. But as soon as it exports, I'm like, here you go. And that is takes yeah. all of it. And I don't, yeah. people, I don't even respond people will people. find Chris like in public and be like, hey, man, like it's it's great to talk to you in person. We've only talked online. And Chris is like, I don't yeah. know who you are. <laughs> nice to meet you. So, that's funny. Anyways, I would say that there's definitely like definitely that. No, you're totally right. I and and I think that. that in in the way we've set up our our life now on the boat is that it is it is our own art it is our own beings you know what i mean like yeah. you are definitely not only do you do a lot of social media that's also what you like to do and that's what you want mm-hmm. to keep doing for the first yeah. you know mm-hmm. in the future and for me too i i think i mean i do a lot of camera operating for stuff that i really like like yeah. i was i just traveled to six different states in the last two weeks and i'm like <laughs> a i'm totally burned out and i don't want to do that anymore right now but um you don't have any part in that. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely have my own little ecosystem of, of camera stuff that I just, I like to do. And and that also trickles down in the boat too. Like there's a lot of boat work that I don't, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I, I have a little <laughs> bit of like a, people know me by the work that I've done. No, they do. Not on this boat, but like on other boats too. I'll brag for you. They oh, definitely nice. do. People, mm. we just went to U-Haul like two days ago and the guy at U-Haul was like, Hey, you're Chris from Neely Boatworks. Like you build all this stuff. <laughs> It was just totally random outside of a boat yeah. atmosphere. It's not something you would yeah. expect. Yeah. So I will brag for you. You are very that's good nice. at what you do. And that's and something I foresee my, yeah. if I could look 50 years from now and I could see old Chris in a workshop, like doing something like that, that to me is my end goal. Like, yeah. that's, that's cool. I like that. On our so, farm. On our farm. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, another question. And this is actually multiple questions of the same uh, topic which is boundaries and i would love to know how you do that being in the same boat <laughs> yeah literally like how do you have alone time alone space especially in the seasons when you're out at sea for a while and not docked up yeah you don't <laughs> yeah no so imagine uh, really not honestly really, like we privacy is an illusion on a boat like we have doors and things but i mean it's an illusion. I will it's say the only time crazy. we ever actually get alone time is when there is an argument and one of us calls for like a timeout. It doesn't happen often, but like it does happen. I think it happens to everybody. Yeah. It's just comical on a boat because <laughs> Marissa would be like, I need a space. I'm like, fine. And I, I need just, a minute. I walk like, you know, 12 feet to the <laughs> to a different room. And like, you can still hear each other breathing basically. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. But like, so I don't It's know. something that we've had to learn. When we were living in Tahoe, it was, that was a big learning experience for us because when we would have these arguments and again it happened a lot more frequently there because we were still learning to live with each other mm-hmm. we would get into these little spats and chris would climb in his truck and he would drive away and we actually went to couples counseling um for this reason and stuff yeah. like that to discuss how we could better talk to each other and talk things out and something that my counselor recommended was giving expectations and time limits like it's okay if you need space tell the other person you need space you're going to leave for 10 minutes and then you'll be back so then you're not giving the other person anxiety and like mm-hmm. all this sense of dread and things like that so that's obviously we can't drive away now we're in a boat together <laughs> but I actually get that question online a lot and it's kind of snarky the way people ask it so I really like the way your person asked this question but usually the question is do you just jump overboard when you're mad at each other? And my favorite thing to say is, well, actually, we talk things out like adults, which 
is a very watered down way of saying we talk things out now we've yeah. learned to communicate with each other because communication really is key yeah. um you don't want your loved one to be upset you don't want to be upset so mm-hmm. it's just taking the emotions out of it as much as you can and figuring out identifying the problem and being like okay I understand that you're upset with me because I leave piles of clothes around the boat. I can see how that would be frustrating. Is there anything I can do to help aid in that frustration? Just a example, but yeah. That's just an example. So we have to come at it with the common agreement that we're trying to get through this together. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting a common issue that's making us both upset. I also, yeah, and like just to pin it too, is that... um, there's not really any argument we've ever had that I feel like we can just leave, like separate and leave it and not talk about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they always come back and they always yeah. come back tenfold. So like in our experience, it's always, we both agree, even though in the moment we don't usually want to do this, that it's always better just to bang out like whatever issue it is and get it yeah. over with and then move on because don't put it on the back burner because things will overflow and they'll they'll build so deal with the problem right then if you need a minute no matter how hard it is yeah if you need a minute minute, to collect your thoughts or something be like hey i don't want to talk about this right now i need a minute to collect my thoughts and my emotions can we circle back in five ten minutes and then that's when i'll go take my little walk to the front of the bow yeah (laughs) (laughs) take a little walk about so usually like you just have to collect yourself and that's Mm -hmm. a boundary that I think that we have expressed a lot. That's the number one boundary we've set up is yeah. respecting each other's need for for space, air quotations, for space every once in a while, being like, hey, I need a minute. And not and perfect respect at it. That. We're, we're not perfect at it, it, but we're yeah. learning. That's yeah. all we can do is both learn. So that's definitely a boundary. Um, I would say another boundary is respecting the other person's um, mental state. So I'm a person who gets really mentally drained, especially with over socializing Mm -hmm. and um, I'm empathetic. So that means I absorb a lot of energies, which Mm -hmm. can be so exhausting. (laughs) And part of living on a boat is that there is a very unique and vast community of all of us. So it's very Mm -hmm. social, very, Hey, what are you doing tonight? Let's get together without making any previous plans, which can be exhausting. So I've had to kind of set up that boundary with Chris, like, hey, before you commit to going and hanging out with these people, can you ask me first so I can make sure I'm mentally in it and not just torturing myself? <laughs> and that's that's another boundary. So it's mm-hmm. respecting the other person's mental health. Yeah. And it goes both ways. You're the same way too. Yeah. So. Last question is, um, I thought it was unique and I chose to ask this to y'all specifically because y'all basically got married, got on a boat, and here you are four years later. Um, so can the honeymoon phase be sustained? Did you, is this your honeymoon? I mean, are you still on it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. I, hmm. No one yes. No one yes. I think it comes in waves. I think I it comes in waves, especially with this lifestyle. We're doing so many new things constantly where it can feel like a honeymoon phase all over again. And, mm. You know, we're preparing to sail to Mexico, which I think is going to be a great honeymoon phase. We're going to be doing something exciting and new together. And that's what a honeymoon is, right, is celebrating something exciting and new together. So I think it will come in waves. Sometimes I think, things I think might it's really important stale, to but... not um, over to sorry. I think it's really important to not 
expect something, inflate the idea too yeah. much that when you're in the moment, it's not what you thought it was. We did, I did that for sure in Tahoe. And I don't want to, like, I'm a hundred percent putting everything to not do that again, mm -hmm. when we go to Mexico, because like I've already said before, there's a lot of things just cruising a boat inherently that there's a lot of stress involved, a ton of stress involved. So, uh, as much fun as I know we're going to have hundred percent, I just don't want to overinflate the idea in my mind because there's going to be a lot of stresses that are totally going to, uh, to put it in context a little bit for non, uh, cruisers. There's, there's a really high burnout for people that do exactly what we have done, mm -hmm. bought a boat, worked all like for years on it, put every, not only money, not blood, only money into it, but like all your sweat and tears into it as well. And blood. And there's blood. In yeah, there is blood in it. <laughs> And like started off the venture and just had a horrible time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, and, and either there's really only two things that happen. You either sell the boat and you stay together or more frequently, I would say, is that the couple breaks up and, and one, one person, person keeps sailing on and one goes away. Hmm. So that happens at 50, I would say, percent of couples. It happens a lot. Wow. Like if not more. So yeah. there's a lot there's a lot riding on just our next few months together. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think and that... I think the green. Yeah. Honeymoon phase. I. I agree with comes in spurts. It does. I think that we'll make it through the cruising though. And, you know, we have a lot of people saying, agreeing with us, like you guys have been through hell and back already. I think you'll be fine. Yeah. And we also have an agreement where it's, we're not going to force this on ourselves. If we're not having fun, we're not going to do it. It's that's gonna do it, it as long as it's fun. We're gonna do it as long as it's fun, and that's all you can do in life. And mm -hmm. the point is, is that I want to have fun with Chris. Chris wants to have fun with me. If we're not happy, we're not doing it because I, think that yeah it puts you first I, but i think i think if uh if i've learned anything uh like to answer your question of the, is the honeymoon phase sustainable i think i get moments of the honeymoon phase throughout every day with you oh it's true i and but i'm not saying the whole day is honeymoon phase but isn't like, when i decide to sand instead of no being. it's not that it's just little <laughs> things that like only only us would know you know okay. the little things mm -hmm. is all i'm trying to say so there's like little mm -hmm inside indie windows it's when i pick up my piles of clothes that's, isn't it. It? that's totally. it that's the one that's the one <laughs> make me sound like such a clean freak well, you're clean i'm not that's how it goes it's fine i can totally relate i'm i'm the clean one in my relationship as well so <laughs> thank you all so much for being on the show um this has been a pleasure and i've learned a lot from y'all uh, and your relationship and it, it i love how you've taken the moments of like the, the story about being on the boat, for example, with the storm and all that and all the things that would cause conflict, you have grown from it. And I just from hearing your story and, and listening to you all for the past hour, that's one of the things that I want to highlight for everybody listening is that you're using all of that as opportunities to grow closer. And you shared a bunch of amazing, realistic and uh, practical guidance and advice on how to do just that. So I just want to say thank you. Yeah, thank you for having yeah, us. We exactly. appreciate it. It's not every day we get fun. to talk about us instead no. of the boat. So That's a really good idea. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Heartbeat Podcast series, Real Love Stories. As you can tell, that was an amazing uh, couple, an amazing episode. There will be more episodes out like this, so be sure to subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that notification bell. And leave a comment as well. If you have any questions that you would want me to ask, um, you know, I polled the community for questions. If you want to be a part of that poll, you want to ask your questions, be sure to do it in the Heart Gang app. Go to the app store, search Heart Gang, join our community. We've got free coaching, free courses on love, relationships, and human connection. And it really is the place to be if you're looking to master love in your life. Um, also, if you know of an inspiring couple 
that you want me to interview or you're just like, oh my gosh, like they've got such a unique lifestyle or they, their, their love is so pure and you can just feel it every time you're around them. I want to interview them. And if you think they'd be up for it, ask them first. And if they are up for it, email me, kevin at heartguy.com, or you can DM me anywhere. And I would love to interview them and have them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Put some heart into everything that you do today.